Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. My family had a nativity scene. It was, it was a, like a hallmark of our family it, that we would always have a nativity scene in the, um, it, as part of Christmas decoration. Anybody else do a nativity scene during Christmas decorations? What's really interesting to me is um, a lot of the stores don't sell them anymore. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And um, ours is, was really special because if you looked at ours now, baby Jesus would be missing because... When, when I was about 11 years old, I decided he needed to be part of a G.I. Joe battle. <laughs> and he's buried in the backyard of a house that we were renting. So, um, for, <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. I did not know what I did. Um, but nativity scenes are fun. They make a lot of different types of nativity scenes. If you don't know what a nativity scene is... Um, the nativity scene is a, uh, like a, a depiction of the birth of Jesus. And so it, it includes all the characters that were part of the, the biblical story of Christmas. And in it you're going to find there's going to be shepherds because the, the angels come and they talk to shepherds. There's going to be wise men because wise men from the, the Near East came to visit Jesus. And, and they didn't actually come. The wise men wouldn't have actually been there when Jesus was an infant. They would have been there Maybe when he was a toddler. So he'd be a little older. Uh, so, it's, so it's not historically accurate, but it, it gives us the idea. There's shepherds, there's wise men, there are animals, there's Mary and Joseph, and sometimes they have angels. Um, they're also often wrong because they, they typically have like a barn with moss on the roof. And, and a, Middle East, a first century Middle Eastern manger wouldn't have been a barn, it would have been a cave. It would have been a cave. And so... They're, they're a little different, but we all have our different depictions of it. We're talking about the same thing, just from different angles. Here's a, here's a couple different versions of a nativity scene. So this one is, a, I like this one. This one is kind of like a, a Russian nesting doll, babushka doll um, nativity scene. I, I really like this one. This is cool. Next one. Okay. Hipster baby nativity. Hipster Jesus. Joseph's taking a selfie with the baby. Mary has her Starbucks. The wise men are bringing gifts from Amazon while riding Segways. And of course, the shepherd is so consumed with his, his uh, tablet that he's not paying attention to anything. So, hipster. Next one. Okay, this, <laughs> this, is, this is the Irish uh, nativity scene. What I thought was interesting about this is that one of the wise men is carrying a bottle of Guinness, which, <laughs> happy birthday, baby Jesus. Okay, next, <laughs> next one. Uh, uh, this, one this, is, 
Okay, all my cat people, you guys are going to love this one. Uh, this, is, oh, this is all right, but a better version of it's the next one. There we go. That's... <laughs> I love you cat people. All right, all of us dog people have a problem with mice in our house, but you cat people don't have any mice. You got, you got to figure it out. Next one. Is, that, is there a next one? That's it. All right, there we go. So today I want to talk about the nativity scene of Jesus. And we're talking about these different characters that are part of the story of Jesus' life. And what's interesting is there are shepherds, there are wise men, which are people from the, the Near East that came. Uh, there is Mary and there is Joseph. And there's baby Jesus. And I know that in this room there are people that, for you, you've been living for God for a long time. And you would say you're a, you're a faithful follower of Jesus. And there's other people in the room that you're here because you know you want to open a Christmas present early today. And to keep people happy, you came. So wherever you land on that, whether you believe in Jesus or you think Jesus is a fairy tale... I think we can all find some meaning in the story. We can all find not just meaning in the story, but we can all identify with different characters within the story. So, for instance, the shepherds. These are, these are shepherds that are in a field. More than likely, they were, young, they were women and young boys. They, they wouldn't have been uh, working-age men. They would have been women and young, like, child, adolescent boys. This, this would be people that, uh, that are off in the field just kind of taking care of the sheep, taking care of the resources of the family, but not really participating in the family. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. It's interesting that the, the angels come first to these shepherds who, quite frankly, were not the most popular people in society. Yes, they were women and children, but often they were people who the family had kind of, uh, they wanted them to be unseen. This is one of the reasons why when King David is being anointed king, they didn't even assume he was part of the family group because he's off with the sheep. He's dealing with the sheep. In their culture, sheep, a shepherd was the lowest level of a member of society. This was somebody that stunk and everywhere they went, they stunk. They weren't around other people very often, so they were, they were socially awkward. Anybody know somebody? In fact, in their day, it would be illegal to buy things from a shepherd other than sheep because it was assumed that they had stolen it. So this is just like a class of people that were, were quite frankly overlooked. They were pushed out of the rest of society and not included. Shepherds were overlooked. Maybe you've experienced this, being overlooked. You didn't get invited to the, the, the lunch. You didn't feel good enough to be able to step into the conversation and no one included you. Your, your contribution was expected, but you weren't valued. 
maybe you would say that you tend to feel overlooked, like underappreciated at work. Maybe your family makes fun of you because you believe in the Jesus fairy tale, as they say. Or maybe for you, you're the husband that was two minutes late getting back to the house, and now you're sleeping on the couch for the next few days. Maybe you're the teenager whose parents, I would say, wisely chose not to give you a cell phone. And so you feel overlooked for every class function because no one can communicate with you. Maybe your children are grown and have families of their own, and you know they love you. They just don't reach out as often as you would like. These are shepherds. They were overlooked. The next group that we see in the manger scene is the wise men. It says this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose, and we have come to worship him. They came asking, Where is, Where's the king? These wise men were seekers. They were seekers. They were people who had enough margin in their lives in the first century to be able to seek knowledge and wisdom. It was uncommon. They were people who had been successful in whatever arena of life they had participated in. They had they'd most likely scaled to the top of their arenas, and now they were seeking and searching for more. I was... I was talking to someone just before the service, and, uh, and his, his, they were, talk, we were talking about Christmas gifts, and his wife said something along the lines of, how many more guns does he need? And the answer is always just one more. Like, that's the answer, one more. <laughs> this is the attitude of a wise man. They've climbed to the... <laughs> Somebody's elbow on your wife. <clears throat> I heard that. <clears throat> He's talking to you, Betty, like... <laughs> He's in the word right now. <laughs> Wise men had climbed to the pinnacle of what their world, uh, they could achieve, and they'd gone beyond that, searching for more. They had the margin in their time to search the stars and know the prophecies about the Messiah that would have come from a man named Balaam, this obscure prophet in Israel, but very well known in the East. And, he, and, and they were searching for something more. They were looking for something beyond. There are people in this room, you would sit here and say, I, I, I am successful. I have accomplished a lot. But the truth is there's still this gap between what I have and what I want. The great theologian Jim Carrey says this. <laughs> he says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. These are, these are wise men that, that got rich and famous and they chased everything that they wanted and they, they, they did it all. 
And yet they still, there's still a longing inside their soul. This idea of searching for more. Maybe, maybe for you, you are, you would consider yourself wealthy or at least taken care of. Maybe you're beautiful. Maybe you've got a great family, but there is still a gap in your soul looking and longing for more. Maybe you're seeking answers today, answers to the questions of, do I actually matter? And have what I've done? Like, has it made a difference? And am I needed in the world? And am I liked and am I loved? I, searching for something more. Wise men were searchers. And these wise men look to the stars and they say, maybe a star will give meaning to my life. Maybe chasing stars will make a difference. And there's people in this room today that you came into this room thinking, maybe there's an off chance that a church might make a difference in my life. Like, I already have a relationship with Jesus, but maybe church will mean something. I'm just saying that, that that's a seeker today. It's a seeker. The, the next character we see at the manger scene, often in, in the nativity sets, you've got on one side the shepherd's on the other side, you've got the wise men. And, and then you'll often have Mary and Joseph. Joseph was Jesus' stepdad. Give it up for all the stepdads in the room. Let's go. Here's what it says. Watch this. It says this in Matthew chapter 1. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, what he's considering is that his wife just told him, not his wife, his fiance just told him, I'm pregnant, but God did it. <laughs> so he's like, like he's really, he's really wrestling. He's really wrestling with this. And, and it says, as, as, he, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why would the angel say that to him? The angel would say that to him because he's considering not taking her as his wife. The angel would say that because the news that he received was so devastating that he's willing to cut off the engagement. And the angel is saying, no, 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 no. Don't mess up God's plan right now. He says, <clears throat> Don't be afraid to take her as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is in a really unique situation, if you think about it. He's just heard the news. Like, like he hasn't locked in. Like, like there's a difference between when you're dating someone and there's infidelity and you're married to somebody and there's infidelity. There's a difference. I, I mean, one, when, when, you're, when you're just engaged or you're, or you're, just, uh, or, or, or you're just dating, you, can, you still got time to walk away without it being a mess. And the, the other is you've locked in. And, and Joseph is in the position that he could walk away from her and his life would be normal. He, 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 he's going to begin his marriage as a stepdad 
Not, not intending to do that. He, he intended to just marry this, this young, beautiful, Middle Eastern girl. And, and, and it turns out that, that, that he's immediately going to be providing for a baby that isn't his. And now an angel shows up and takes his only option of retreat off the table. An angel shows up and says, you have no options. Joseph was trapped. I mean, yes, he had the honor of, of raising a young Jesus. But I, I know for myself, I, I hate it when I feel trapped. I hate it when I feel like my options are limited. I, I hate it when I feel like, like I have a choice I could make, but, but, but I'm not allowed to make the choice. Anybody else? Joseph is trapped. He loves this girl. He just doesn't know what's going on. And he's considering, like, like, leaving her. But an angel says, you can't do what you're thinking about doing. When I, when I think about somebody trapped, I think about the idea of, uh, of exploring a, clay, a, a cave. I, I, anytime I see somebody spelunking, I think they're not the smartest person <laughs> around. Just that... that idea that you're going to end up stuck in a cave forever and no one's going to find you. And maybe today you feel trapped, not trapped by a cave, but, but trapped in a career because your degree sent you in a trajectory and you have no real options to be able to change at this point in life. Maybe you feel trapped in a marriage and the covenant that you made feels like you're in a prison. Maybe you feel trapped in a dating relationship, and there's several red flags, but you're just too old, and this has been too long for you to start over. Trapped. When I was thinking about this idea of being trapped, I was thinking about, remember that movie, 127 Hours? I think I have the thing of it. The 127 hours, this guy, Aaron Ralston, he, he, he was climbing around in Utah's Canyonlands and uh, just, just doing his thing, uh, like this, this freak storm came in, a boulder rolled down onto his hand, and he ends up trapped inside of a, of, of a, of a canyon, one hand trapped. He, he stays there, and he, he drinks all the water he has, and he eats all the food ha he has, and and after hours and hours of waiting for someone to find him, and also he didn't tell anybody where he was going, so no, one's, no one knows where he is. And he finally pulls out a pocket knife, and he takes his arm off. It's actually a fascinating story. It's a true story, and it's fascinating, but, but it's, it's the idea of what happens when we get trapped. Like we take desperate measures to get untrapped. It makes me think of friends that I have that are struggling with addiction. Come to church every week, but still struggle with, with addiction. In Stanton Peel's book, The Meaning of Addiction, he writes this. The difference between not being addicted and being addicted is the difference between seeing the world as your arena and seeing the world as your prison. Let's just change the word from addicted to trapped. Watch this. The difference between not being trapped and being trapped 
is the difference between seeing your world as your arena and seeing the world as your prison. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where, where it just feels like your world just kind of traps you in your marriage, traps you in your job, traps you, your circumstances trap you, your health traps you, your income level traps you, maybe your mind traps you. The fourth person at this nativity scene is Mary. Little young Mary. And, and in some art, we see her as perfect, having, having no sin. She's got a halo over her head. In fact, some theologies would claim that she is perfect. Um, I, I don't believe that. I, I believe she was a, a normal person. I believe God chooses normal people. But it says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. After this, the angel then tells her, he says, what I mean is you're, you're about to have a son, like you're about to have a child, and this child is going to be the savior of the world, and he's going to, he's going to save the people, he's going to be absolutely amazing, and she's still confused. She says, how? You would think if, some, if an angel came to somebody and said, hey, I've got good news for you, they'd be like, let's go. She's not, she's confused. It's not that she doubts what the angel is saying, it's just a lot. Mary is confused. She, Mary was confused. Can you, can you think to a time when, when you were talking to somebody, maybe you were talking to a, a, a tax consultant and they were talking and you just had that blank look on your eyes like, or maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was somebody bought you one of those little um, metal puzzles, the, you know, where you got to get the ring out. It was in a stocking somewhere, and it came, and you tried to, and you just realized after about half an hour that you're just going to look really dumb in front of the family if you keep trying to figure this thing out. <laughs> confused. Mary, Mary was confused. And we all experience confusion. We all experience confusion, and often confusion comes around things that, that have to do with obedience, right? Like, like when we ask our kids to do something, and they seem so confused, like, huh? mow, the mow the law? I got to put gas in the lawnmower. I don't know. Is it in the red, that red can? Yep, same can it's always been in. Uh, confusion often happens when we feel like God is giving us direction and, and it just seems like a lot. Like, like God saying, hey, I want you to, to save sex before, until marriage. That, uh, maybe, maybe, I want you, maybe hearing God tell you that he wants you to be generous with your finances. And you're like, that just seems, that seems confusing. Or, or God saying, 
you need to, to repent and be baptized. You're like, that's just, that's confusing. I don't know why. Or maybe you hear God telling you to follow him and to, to let him guide your life. And you're like, that just seems confusing. Like the angel's telling you, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be the best thing in human history. And we know, we have the option to know that like our calendar is marked by her child. But she's confused by it. She's confused by it. I think we get confused when God speaks and we don't, we don't understand how to get there. Or, or, or when we expect God to do something and it doesn't quite happen how God says it would happen. Maybe for you, you have prayed for a loved one and, 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 it's, and they still passed away and it's just confusing. It's not wrong, it's just confusing. Maybe for you, you... you have just really wanted to be a mother, and it hasn't happened for you. It's confusing. Maybe for you, you just really want that job, but it doesn't seem to matter how many times you apply, it never works out. Or maybe just, it's confusing how you try so hard to be healthy, and you try so hard to keep on top of things and yet you still struggle with health issues like not just like a little bit here and there like a cold but like you just seem to have a lot more than everybody else and and it doesn't make sense so my question to you today is this which one are you are you a seeker someone who is successful looking for more are you someone that feels trapped are you overlooked are you confused? Can I tell you that this is a church for all four of those people? This church is a great church for people that are confused. It's a great church for people that feel trapped because the truth is we're all broken. The guy up here talking, I feel trapped sometimes. But we, we all are broken and we come together into this beautiful community called the body of Christ or church. And when we do this, his glory shines in our lives, not just, not just directly to us, but he also shines through the other people, the other broken people around us. It's incredible. When I see these four people, what's so unique is this, is that there's still, there's a fifth person in the nativity scene. Because between Mary and Joseph is a little baby. His name is Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we can see who he came for and why he came. I think it's no coincidence that Jesus is centered between seekers, people that are trapped, people that are overlooked, and people that are confused. He comes into the scene in the center of people that are looking for more. And he shows us who he is. Here's what it says in, in Luke, watch this, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. It says that he's a, that the, the Savior has been born. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says that he is a newborn king. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says that he will save his people. In Luke chapter 1, verse 33, it says that he would reign. So Jesus is in the center of the overlooked, the trapped, the seeker, and the confused. But he also has an identity that is beyond being overlooked, seeker, trapped, or confused. And who he is is he is both a king and a savior. He's both. 
He's both a king and he is the savior. So if you are confused today, you don't need more answers. You'll never have enough answers. What you really need is a king that can rule. And even when you don't understand, you can follow his rule in your life. If you're trapped today, it's possible and it's quite likely that life won't get better this side of heaven. And so you don't need someone with empty promises claiming that they will free you. What you really need is, is a savior that can say, I'm going to bring you to a place called heaven where you can never be trapped again. If you're a seeker today and you're longing for more in life, there will always be another level of success. There will always be another rung in the ladder to climb. But you need to know that, that you were made for more. What you don't need is more to do. What you need is to discover from the king that you have been appointed with a mission in life. And if you can run after the mission of God in your life, it will get rid of all the emptiness that seeking gives. Maybe today you have felt overlooked. What you don't need is to be cool enough, to be smart enough, to be young enough, to be good enough. What you need is a Savior that says, I have made you enough. And I will take care of you and you belong to me and you are mine. So today, if you have a nagging feeling that there should be more, the answer is there is more. This is the point of Christmas, that there is more. Jesus is my Lord. It's the idea of Jesus being my king. We, we say this, if you come here to a celebration, you hear us say this almost every service, Jesus be the Lord of my life. What we're saying is, Jesus be the king of my life. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm going to take my vote off. I'm, I'm going to withhold my vote. I'm going to let you be king of my Lord, of my life. You're going to be king. He's the Lord. You reign. So Jesus is the ruler, and we bow to him. We bow to him with our money. We bow to him with our dreams. We bow to him with our sexuality. We bow to him with our ideas. We bow to him with our arrogance. We bow to him with the dark parts of us that we hide from each other. Jesus is king, but Jesus is also savior. Like, I'm not a victim. I'm not passive in this thing. In fact, I would say I'm at fault. I am responsible for rejecting God in my life. Like, like I, I am responsible for walking away from God, and I desperately need him to be a savior for me because I tried to save myself, and it didn't work. He's both a king and a savior. I, I tried to rule myself. And I just seemed to make a mess of it. I tried to save myself, and it didn't work. So today, I want you to know that it's deeper than just this cute idea that Jesus is looking for seekers, people that are confused, people that are trapped, and, and, and people that are overlooked. It's more than that. It's more than that. Because what's going on is those very things inside of us, whether you're trapped, you're seeker, you're confused, you're overlooked, those things are the very path on which we find him. 
They're the very mechanism of God for us to find him. So don't run from the pain, but allow him to be the cure. Because in the middle of this manger scene, it's not a fixer that is born. It's a savior, and it's a king that is born. I think the best image here of, of this idea of a, of a king and a savior being born is, is this metaphor of, of darkness and light. Because ultimately, like if I'm really honest, there's, there's a lot of darkness inside of me. There's a lot of darkness in you, if you're honest. There's a lot of darkness in this world. You've seen it. You've felt it. And you've experienced it. It's interesting. The darkness is really just the absence of light. We don't study darkness alone. We study light because light exists and darkness is the absence of light. The the darkness we feel in our lives, ultimately, it's because the light is not shining in our lives. God's light shining in the darkness. And so today, I'm going to ask you to join me as we, we light candles to allow the light of God as a symbol of allowing the, the light of God to shine in our dark, confused, overlooked, seeking, Trapped lives. Because the answer is not for us to somehow solve our problems. The answer is to say, I I am not the answer, and I need the light of God to shine in my darkness. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.